it is easy to say we love him when things are going well. Matter of fact, it's not difficult at all. Say, God, we love you. But what about when things are not going well? What about you still battling that sickness, that pain? You don't know how you're going to pay the bills. You're struggling with putting food on the table. Your children grades and obedience in school not right. What happened when your marriage not doing good? When you can't find that husband that you're looking for, that wife you can't look, you've been looking for, is, is you going to love, continue to love him? Is you going to continue to, to love him just because of who he is and more than anything? See, worship is easy when things are going well. But the test is when it's not going well, would you worship him? Would you lift your hands to him? Would you glorify him? Would you let him know, God, I know it's not what I wanted to be. I know it's not what I expected to be. But God, I love you. In spite of all the circumstances I'm going through, the way I'm being pressed right now, I feel like giving up. But God, I love you anyway. Thank you so much, Avers, for putting us right where we need to be to remind us that we are to love the Lord with all our heart and all our mind and all our soul because he is worth being loved. He has been better to us than we have been to ourselves. And looking at you all, you have been good to yourself, but he has been better to you than you've been to yourself. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Once again, we are so grateful for you all tuning in, for those visitors who are in person and on virtual service. I'm so thankful for you uh, just tuning in. Sister Watson, also uh, Gina Watson, we thank you as well. Sister Washington, also Bonnie and Ann Cunningham, and Sister Watts, we thank you as well. Um, Sister Luana, we thank you for tuning in as well. And all those other visitors, um, if you want to connect with us, just go to our website. And at the bottom of the page, we have a connection card. You can connect with us to also give us your prayer requests and everything that we may pray for you. And if you are a visitor uh, and on virtual, please let us know so we know how to connect with you and just uh, pray for you and let you know. Um, and just reach out to you as well and so we can highlight you. At this time, as we move forward in our service, as we come to the last Sunday of January, the last Sunday of January, I want to uh, invite you to Isaiah chapter one. Isaiah chapter one. Isaiah chapter one. Isaiah's in the Old Testament. And it's Isaiah chapter one, right after the Psalm of Solomon. Right after the Psalm of Solomon. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter one. Isaiah chapter one. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter one, which are electronic devices. Your Bible's in your hand. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse number 10. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10, and we'll be reading verses 10 through 15. Isaiah chapter 1, verses number 10 through 15. Father God, have your way. Holy Spirit, I need you. Take this mess that I have worked on and make it a masterpiece for you. I deny myself that you may get the glory but also move the nervousness and the tension and anxiety and the fear from me that I may preach your word boldly, standing flat-footed in the power and the strength that you have in me. 
Lord God, we come in here with certain reasons, for certain reasons, Lord God, and with certain obstacles on our heart. But I ask, Lord God, that every reason and every obstacle that we face, you put it to the side where we can hear from you. Because I'm not here for show or fashion, but I'm here to grow in you. So convict my heart. Convict their heart. Encourage us. Exhortate us. That when we leave from this mountain or this table which you have set before us, that we leave different and satisfied for what your word says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We're in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10 through 15. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10 through 15. It says in verse number um, 10 of Isaiah 1, it says, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or, or nor of lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand? To trample my courts. Bring no more fruitile sacrifices. Incense is abomination to me, the new moons, the Sabbath, and the calling of the assemblies. I cannot endure the iniquity and the sacred meetings, your new moons and your appointed feasts. My soul hates. They are trouble to me, and I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourself. Make yourself clean. Put away the evil of your doing from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressed. Defend the fatherless and plead for the widow. Let me go down to verse number 18, 19, and 20 while I'm here. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they should be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they should be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you should eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you should be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is a sermon that tries every pastor, and that every pastor tried to avoid. But because God has called me to preach the whole counsel of his word, we have to preach the good and the bad. So I stand here flat-footed and not worried about if you leave out of here mad, because I know that God has called me to preach this word. On this morning, I would like to preach to you from the topic, God is fed up. God is fed up. Here in this text is not 
the only text that we see in the Bible that God is fed up with his people. As a matter of fact, in Genesis, at the beginning, at the first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 6, the Lord said he was grieved that in his heart that he made man. God says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 6, when he, when he looked at man, he said, and he looked at woman, he said he was grieved in his heart that he had created mankind. God was fed up. Also in Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 2, he says that I will utterly consume everything on the face of the earth because God was fed up. Then we go to the New Testament, because I know some of y'all say, well, that's Old Testament. That's, that's God judgment time. That's, that's Old Testament scripture. But also, if we look in John chapter 2, verse 15, deacons, it said that Jesus was so upset with the way they were, were having church and the way they were in a synagogue that he turned over the tables and kicked people out. That he created a whip and started whipping things in shape, trying to get rid of the people out of the synagogue because Jesus was fed up. So here in this text is not the only text where we see that God is not pleased with his people. And he has called me today to preach from this thing, God is fed up. Here, Isaiah, the prophet, who we know was called in Isaiah chapter six by God to proclaim his word to the people of Israel, to the Jewish people and to those in Judah. He was proclaimed, he was assigned by God to proclaim his word as a prophet. Isaiah prophecy lasts for around 40 years. And he, and he started out in, in 740 B.C. to like 700 B.C. And he was teaching and preaching the, the word of God and proclaiming the word of God as his assignment was. But Isaiah found out quickly. When you proclaim the word of God, when you prophesy the word of God, when you tell people the truth, that people won't like it. Isaiah was one of those prophets that was um, extremely uh, um, un unlikable amongst the people. He was a, a screamly uh, disliked by the people. He was one of those prophets that the people just didn't like. Because Isaiah's job was to prophesy and tell them that judgment was coming. He let them know that, that because of your sin, because of the way you live in judgment is coming. And you know people don't want to hear that judgment is coming. But Isaiah was faithful to God to proclaim the word of God and to let people know the truth. He confronted the people with the truth of God to let them know that God is fed up. Although this, 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 this book of Isaiah was written uh, a long, long time ago in, in B.C. 740, it also applies to today. Because I looked at Hebrews and the scripture tells us that God is the same today and yesterday and forevermore. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. So God doesn't change, and his word is still applicable to today. As I look at the, 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 the makeup of the church, as I look at the body of Christ, as I look at the body of Christ and those who accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and those who walk in, in the will of God, and those who live in out the will of God, and those who are in church and have uh, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I just can't help to see, to let you know that God is not pleased with you. 
here in the text. As we see here, Isaiah called the leaders and the people. And he lays out in verse number 10, the condition. As we see God is fed up, we see the condition of God's people. Look in verse number 10. Here, he lays out, he says, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of God, you people of Gomorrah. He lays out the condition of the people. But what I like with Isaiah, Isaiah don't, don't distinguish between the leaders and the common folks. He let the leaders know that God is not happy with them and also the common folks. So leaders, we are not exempt from this. We, we are in this text as well. He says he called out to the leaders and to the people that God is fed up. But look at their condition. He says to the rulers of Sodom, to the people of Gomorrah. He likened the rulers to a destroyed city that God destroyed because of their wickedness. And he likened the people to a destroyed city that God destroyed because of their wickedness. He says their condition was wicked. Here's why God is fed up. Because the leaders is not living right, nor the people living right. And he likened them to two cities that he destroyed for their idolatry and a fake worship. Let me help you understand. Let me help you understand. God has a problem with indifferent Christians. That means when you are Christian one day, but live another way. God has a problem when you come in church faking, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. But when you leave out the door, you cussing everybody out and trying to say, excuse my French. God is not pleased. He's not happy, and he likened them to two destroyed cities that he destroyed because of their indifferent living. And this is the condition of Israel. But not only that, this is the condition of the church today. We have a lot of phony Christians in the building. We have a lot of phony Christians online. We have a lot of people proclaiming Christ but not living Christ. And the scripture says that God is fed up. God is not pleased. God is not happy with the way we are living. And here he lays out the condition of his people. Isaiah had to preach this and he said, look, you're like Sodom and Gomorrah. That's a story in Genesis where God had to destroy them because of their idolatry, because of their adulterous relationship because of their fake devotion and fake worship. And God is not pleased with that even today. And we see here why God is fed up because of the condition of his people, leaders and regular people is messed up. And he lays it out for us. The God is fed up, but he doesn't stop there because he goes on to verse number 11 and 15. And as we look at God is fed up, we see why he's fed up because of the condition of the people. But then he goes in verse number 11 through 15. And because he's fed up, watch what he do. God rejects his people worship. In verses 11 through 15, God is so fed up, he rejects their worship. And watch this, he, he, he rejects the worship of the people. And, and this, this, is, this is crazy. Because that, look, look, they were, they were given to God. 
They were, they were serving God. And watch this. They were giving their best. Mm. They, 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 they wasn't just putting a dollar in the offering plate. They, 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 they wasn't coming to, to, to church to, to serve and coming to complaining. They wasn't in a ministry just to be in a ministry and never show up and never participate. They, they wasn't just here just to get a check. They, they wasn't just here just, to, just to, to say I'm here and just to say I'm a leader and just to say I'm here and to show them here. No, they was giving their best. When they came, they came and gave their best to God. They came and they, they gave their best. How do you know that, Pastor? I'm going to show it right here in the text. Look, look right here in the text. I'm going to stay in the text. He says right here that they were giving their best. Look, he says that they were giving burnt offerings. In verse number 11, look at verse number 11. He says that to, to, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifice? Put a pin there. We're going to come back to that. But he says to the Lord, he says that I have had enough of your, your burnt offerings of rams. Now, we learned in Leviticus, in Bible study, we learned that when you give a ram, that means you're rich. You got some money. So they were giving a best. They, they wasn't giving God anything. They wasn't giving God a broken down lamb. They weren't giving a God an a, a old lamb that, 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 that couldn't, I mean, ram that couldn't do anything. No, they gave God their best, and they were giving God the rams uh, as worship, watch this, as burnt offering. And we learned that a burnt offering is a devotion to God where they give God this ram, and they burn an entire ram, and it was a show of devotion and surrenderance to God. They were devoted, and they were surrendered to God. All they had was given to God. They were given their best. But it don't stop there because not only did they give the burn off, but they gave the fat of, of the fed cattle. Now, when you gave the, the fat is the best part of the meat. Y'all know. Y'all know. Y'all know how it is. Doctor, you don't eat that because it brings pla plaque in your, in, your, in, your, in your arteries and stuff. But we love that fat. That's where the juice and the tenderness and the, and the, and the moist of the meat is at, right? You know, so they were giving the fat of fed cattle. They just wasn't giving God anything. They wasn't giving God anything. They gave the best of the fat of the cattle unto God. They was giving that offering to him. And, and it was the best part of the meat. But not only were they giving the fat, not only was they giving the burnt off, but they were also giving the blood of bulls, lambs, and goats for the atonement of their sin. They would go in and they would give the blood from these animals to atone their sin, to, to cover their sin because they were sinful for God. They were given their best. They were given their best. Look, in verse 13, they were lighting up incense. And incense was a smoke that symbolized or was symbolic to sanctification and purification in prayer. They, they had new moons in verse 13. That was a celebration of spiritual renewal. That was a time where they got together and they worshiped God for spiritual renewal. They were worshiping God and they were giving their best. They had new moons and they had the uh, sacred assemblies. They was honoring the Sabbath and they were giving their best to God. So I can understand this. I can understand that God would reject their worship if they wasn't giving their best. But they were given a best. They just wasn't given anything. They were coming to worship God with everything they had. They were on time for service. They were on time for worship. Whatever they signed up for, they did. And whatever God required of them, they gave without any complaints. They were given a best. Now, how, God, can we give our best and you still reject our worship? Because your living is not right. 
He says that he reject their worship. Watch this. He reject their worship because they worship did not line up with how they were living. They worship did not line up with how they were living. So he rejected their worship. He rejected their worship. They were given their best every Sunday, showing up the Bible study, showing up the women's class, showing up the men's class, showing up the young adults, showing up the prayers, showing up the service, giving a best here for vaccinations, here for everything we do to pass out food and to give out that and to be here for the community and do this for the community and give this to that and to this and to that and to go over here and help kids with book bags. And they were showing up, giving a best, but their life was wicked. And God rejects their worship. He rejects their ministry. He rejects their worship. He rejects their worship. And Israel is doing the same thing we're doing. Israel is giving. We are church, Clinton, that gives back that serve the community, that's, act, that's active in the community, active in ministry. We're doing a good job, but are you living right? Do your life line up with your worship? When the doors are closed, when the church lights are out, how's your life? Are you walking in God? Are you living in God? Are you praying? Are you reading your word, trying to be transformed? Are you being obedient to the word of God? Are you living out the will of God in your life? Or are you just faking around people living in different life? But I come to tell you that God sees it all. And God is not happy. He rejects their worship. And watch this. He rejects their worship. Look. Look at this. He says in verse number 11. Look at verse number 11. He says, what is the purpose of the multitude of your sacrifice to me. He says, what's your purpose? God, you, you required us to give to you. You required us to serve you. You said in Leviticus, we have to sacrifice to you. You said in, in Romans chapter 12 that we one that we should be a living sacrificer to you. You require us to serve you and to worship you and to give to you. And now you ask, what's our purpose? God said, what is your purpose? God said, why are you serving? Why are you giving? God don't need your money. God don't need you to give. God needs you to have a clean heart for him. And he asked them, what are they purpose for serving? And then he goes on, look what he says. He says, what is your purpose? In verse number 11, and he says, I have had enough of it. God said, I'm sick and tired of you playing games. I'm sick and tired of you, church, living one way and acting another way. I'm sick and tired of you coming in here, hallelujah this, and preach this, and do this, and do that. And when you go home, you act like a hellion. He says, I'm tired of it. I had enough of it. And he says, I do not delight in it. He says in verse 12, why do you all even come before me? God said, why, why are you even coming before me and worship? Look what he says in verse 13. Bring no more fruitile sacrifices to me. God says, I'm done. 
Nothing you offer is worth anything. Nothing you give in your church, in your ministry is worth anything because you're not living right and God is not pleased with it. And what he commanded of them and demanded of them in worship, he rejects it. Because their life wasn't right. Because they lived an indifferent life. And God said in verse 13, I cannot endure the sacred meetings. He said, you coming together to meet with me. But on the outside, it looked good. But the inside, you deny my power. On the outside, you look pretty. You got your Mac, your Mac on. You got your hair cut. You got your nice shoes and your nice shirt on. You looking good. You looking good. But right now, on the inside, you tore up. And God said, I, I can't take it. I, I can't endure it. I can't endure it. I can't endure it. God says, I can't endure it. I can't endure it. And he says, look. He says, God says, your life is so sinful that, that, that your service and worship to me is not acceptable. God says, I can't endure it. Your, your life is so messed up. Your worship to me is not acceptable. He says, I don't want it. He says, matter of fact, you wear me out. How can you wear God out who has all power, who stand on the atlas of time and stands outside of time and control time at the same time? There's no way God can be wore out. But he says, your life is wearing God out. Look what he says. He says in 1 Samuel chapter 15, 22, he said, obedience is better than sacrifice. God says, I'd rather for you to be obedient than give me a sacrifice. God said, because your worship, your service, your ministry, what you offering me is not wanted because you not living right. Me not living right. I'm not only preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. And he says to us and leaders, leaders and people, I don't want it. God is fed up. He's fed up. God wants us to, to live an obedient life to him. He's calling us to live different. He's calling us to, to live for him and to glorify him and to seek his face and to lift up your name for him. He's calling us. He's calling us. And God has said, I'm, I'm sick and tired of you. The way you living, you coming to worship me, but you still gambling. You come in to worship me and, and you still fornicating. You come in to worship me and you still living in homosexuality. You come in to worship me and you still uh, uh, cussing, using profanity. You come to worship me and you still got greed in your heart. You come in to worship me and you still gluttony. You come in to worship me and you got gossip. You still come in to worship me and you're a drunkard. You come to worship me and you in immoral sexual behaviors. He said, you come in to worship me and your heart is not right. You're not reconciled to me. He said, you spiritually wicked. He said, your evil ways are not, not uh, you, you come to worship me with your evil ways. You oppress others. You are uh, cause blood to be shed. You living in a adulterous relationship. You lie. You steal. You greedy. You gluttony. You smoking weed. You fornicate. You drunken. You gossiping. You deceitful. And you got all this. And now you trying to come and worship me. God 
God says, because of this, I reject your worship. He says, I reject your worship. God says, I reject your worship. He rejects their worship. Watch this. And look what God says in verse number 15. Look what he says. He says, it get, it get worse, y'all. He says, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Watch this. See, there are different ways you can spread your hand out. There are different ways that different gestures that mean different things. You know, if you ever been robbed before, you say, put your hands up and you put your hands up. And that means I surrender. I have nothing. My hands are up. That's surrenderance. But he's not saying that because they were surrendered to God, but they weren't living right. So he says, because you're not living right and you fake surrender to me because what you give doesn't tell, doesn't say if you surrender or not, how you live determine if you surrender or not. And he says, because you live in the way you live in, I'm rejecting your worship. Watch this. And when you raise your hand, there's another way to raise your hand. Like a child raised for a mama or her daddy or an adult and say, come pick me up. And this way of raising your hand means I need some help. So God says, when you crowd to me and you're in trouble and you need some help when you crowd to me and you need your sickness taken care when you crowd to me you need them bills paid when you crowd to me and your marriage is not good and you say God you said you gonna help me God said I would have helped you but you ain't living right so God says when you reach out your hands I'm gonna turn my eyes I'm not even gonna see you you're gonna be crying for help and the reason why that some of us are still in a situation we in and it ain't getting better because we we we, we ain't living right we still living in sin and think God is pleased with it. And God says, stop, stop, stop. God says, God says, I'm sick of your worship. God says, I'm sick of your worship. He says, when you spread out your hands, I'm going to close my eyes. God says, when you, when you need me, I'm not even going to look at you. God says, when you're in your darkest moments, and you need me, and you cry out to me, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, I need your help. God says, I'm going to close my eyes to you. God says, I'm going to turn my face. I'm going to treat you like I don't even know you. Although you're my child, because you're not living right, because God is fed up. And then he says this, he says, when you offer multitudes of prayers, God says, I'm not going to only turn my eyes, but I'm going to close my ears up. God says, I'm not going to hear you even cry. Do you know how that feels as a child? You crying out to your mother or your dad in pain in the crib and you crying and you crying and you crying and your parents never respond. God says, I'm going to clog my ears up. I'm going to stop my ears up. He says, I'm going to stop my ears up that I won't even hear you. Because the way living. God is fed up. So he shows us here. He shows us the condition of the people. Because he fed up, he rejects the people. But here, it gets better. Because in verse 16, and I can hope I can get all the way through this, in verse 16 through 20, I originally wanted to stop at 17. Now we see that because of God is fed up and he's a 
awesome God, God calls his people to repent. So we see the condition of God's people. We see the rejection of worship of God's people. And we see now the call to repentance from God's people. God says, if you want me to be on your side, if you want your worship not to be rejected, he is, he said, it's time to repent. Look what he says. God, what should we do? What should we do? What should we do, God? I love God because God gives us a chance. He said, here it is. If this convict your heart, this is what you should do. He says, wash yourself and make yourself clean. God says, it's time to get right before me. Now, keep in mind, we are in Old Testament literature. So they had a ceremonial cleaning where they would go and they would bathe and get right before God for purification. But you and I don't operate like that. To, get, to wash ourselves and to get clean, we got to go in before God on our knees and say, Father God, I come to you. Lord God, I've been living in sin and I'm not right, Lord God. I'm sorry for the way I'm acting. My lifestyle not right, God. And you got to call that thing out. See what? happen we get too generic we say god forgive us for all our sins no god forgive me for homosexuality forgive me for lying forgive me for adultery forgive me for for you gotta call that thing out and say god i come before you and i repent before you because god i need you to wash me because i don't want you to ignore my worship i don't want you to ignore my prayers god i need you to hear me when i call out to you and he says that you gotta wash yourself you gotta get on your knees before god and and cry before God. And some of us not only need to get on our knees, we need to lay out before God and say, God, I need you. You need to have a temper temper. God, I need you. Lord, change my heart. Change my ways, Lord God. I need you, Lord God. I can't do it, Lord God. Jesus, come into my life. Take this away from me. I don't want it no more. And you got to repent to God. Says so you got to repent. You got to repent. He says, come and repent. Wash yourself. He says, wash yourself. Repenting is not confession. Confession is, God, you caught me and I'm sorry. But repentance is, God, you caught me, I'm sorry, and I no longer want to do it again, and I'm walking the other way. He says says, you got to come before God and wash yourself. You got to repent. You got to confess your sins. But that's what you do spiritually. But it's some stuff that you have to do personally. And look what he says. He says, not only do you need to wash yourself, he says, you need to put away the evil doing of your ways. God says you need to put that evil away. You need to take off that evil that you're doing. You know what you ain't doing ain't right. You need to take this thing off and put it to the side. I can't get naked up here. But you got to take that thing off that you got to put that evil aside. You know what you're doing ain't right. Put it to a side. Get rid of it. He says not only put it to the side, not only put it away, but look what he says. He says cease to do evil. He says, stop it right now. Stop it. Stop lying. Stop stealing. Stop gossiping. Stop it right now. Stop fornicating. Stop it right now. Stop it. He says, cease from doing evil. And look what else. He said, learn to do good. You got to learn what is right in God. You got to learn the ways of God. You got to learn how to do good. 
You got to learn what is right. How do you learn? You model the people that you hang around. That's how you learn. You get connected with people that you think is living and you examine that living right. If you marriage, you got to model some married couples who are doing it right that you may stop doing the silly stuff that you're doing. He says, look. He said, learn to do good. He says, seek justice. He says, seek to do what is right. Instead of seeking to do wrong, instead of searching to do wrong, coming up with these clever decisions in your head of how I'm going to get over my taxes this year, seek to do right. Seek to do right. Seek to do justice. Look what he says. Rebuke the oppressors. Oh, everybody ain't doing what you're doing, man. Look, I ain't got time for it. Go ahead. I'm gone. Rebuke them in the name of Jesus. I'm not doing that no more. I'm not, I'm not hanging out with you no more. I got to separate myself from you because my worship needs to be accepted by God. My worship needs to be accepted by God. I need God to hear my prayers. I need God to hear the prayers that I pray for my children. I need God to hear the prayers that I pray for my brothers and sisters. I need God to hear my prayers. I need God to answer my prayers. I need God to look down on me when I'm crying for help and he picked me up. He says that you got to do what you have to do and do it right. Says that we ought to Rebuke the oppressors, defend the fatherless. They were taking advantage of the orphans, the kids. If you know they ain't got a father, do right by them. Help them out. Help them out, help out the fatherless. He says, and also plead for the widows. Take care of the widows. They were taking advantage of the widows. And now look what God says. He says, come now and let us reason together says the Lord. This is so powerful because look, this is what God's saying. God says, I'm fed up with you, but I got a table right here. And in the table, in the table, in the table I got, I got it laid out for you so you and I can sit down and we can talk this thing over. Wow. God says, I'm going to invite you to the table that you can sit at the table with me and you and I are going to talk about this situation, how I'm fed up with you and how I can work with you and how I need to show more grace. And God is an awesome God. He says, come and sit down together. Come and let us talk about it. My God, God is an awesome God. Y'all should be excited in that. Some of y'all act like y'all ain't living this thing. Y'all living in this thing. Your marriage jacked up. Your relationship jacked up. Your life jacked up. You're doing this and you're doing that. And now God offered some salvation to you. God offered some pardon to you. To pardon you for your sins that you may be right before him. I thought y'all be a little more excited. But maybe I got to go down some more. He says, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet and they are... Now they'll be white as snow, though they're red like crimson. God says your sins are so dark that nothing can change them white again. But if you come to me, I can change them. He says that I can make you right. I can make you do right. I can make you tell wrong. I no longer want to do wrong. I can make you walk in the newness of new life. I can make you walk in the grace of my salvation. I can make you obedient. All you got to do is come sit at the table. I can change. 
change your old ways and make them new ways. Yes, I used to be a drug dealer, but now I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ because God can change your old ways and make them new ways. Yes, you used to smoke dope, but you don't smoke dope no more because God took that out your life. Anybody in here ever been changed? They sin that was crimson are now white as wool, white as snow. I'm so glad that God offered me to sit before him. Says He says, look what God says. Look what he says. He says that I change your life. And this change of life is not only changing the inside, but it's the outside. God says, I change the outside first, that the inside may, I mean, I change the inside first, that the outside may follow. See, here's our problem. We want to change behaviors, but we don't want hearts to change. God says, if you want to live right, you need to change your heart, that your behaviors may change. When your heart change, your behavior change. See, because if you got the heart of God, you can't do what you used to do. Although you want to do what you used to do, you will fight that thing. You say, man, that girl look good. But guess what? I'm a pastor now. I can't do that. But pastor, do you still got it? Yeah, I still got it. Yeah, but let me try it anyway. No, I can't do it because I got a wonderful wife at home and I'm not trying to mess my family up. I'm not trying to mess the church up. So I'm stay faithful to my wife but my flesh saying man I think you can get that because she looking at you like she wants you but my my, my spirit said no you don't need that because what I gave you is better than that hey when you was drinking why would you go outside to drink Johnny Walker Red when you have Remy Martin at home I'm talking about top shelf I'm just talking about me I'm preaching to myself and I'm just saying being real where we need to be look what he said God will change you up. Look what he says. And watch this. Verse 19. He says, if you are willing and obedient, you should eat the good of the land. God said, here it is. You heard my word. Now you got to make a decision. Do you want goodness? If you want it, if you're willing and obedient, watch this. This is so good because God not calling you to be perfect. See, the problem with Christians, we think we got to be perfect. God said, just be willing. Just try me out. Just lean on me. Just depend on me. Just hold on to me. Just try me in this and try me in that. He says that I'm willing to give you a chance to try me so you can eat the good of your land. I'm trying to eat the good of my land. I'm trying to have my family blessed. I'm trying to have my job blessed. I'm trying to have my church blessed. I'm trying to have you blessed. I'm trying to have my family blessed. I'm trying to be blessed in everything that I walk in because I'm trying with God. God, I will be obedient to you. I will listen to you. I will follow the rules. And my worship is for real because I'm not trying to live like they call it in this text. I'm trying to live for you. God says, are you willing? God said, are you willing? Are you willing? And then I'm done because, you know, it's 12 o'clock. We get out of here at 12. He says, here it is. God said, now it's your choice. Here you got, you got a choice to agree and accept, but if you don't, you got a choice to deny. He said, but if you refuse, if you refuse to live right, the way you live, if you refuse to, to, to stop doing evil, if you refuse to, to, if you, let me get this right, if you refuse 
to do what is right. Look what he says. Every bell. You should be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now this is called a conditional clause. And a conditional clause is when God lays out a clause for you and it's based on a condition that you accept. So God says, if you accept me, you're going to eat the good of your land. But if you rebel, you're going to be devoured by the sword. I don't know about you, but the last time God was mad at me, I was not happy. And I'm so glad that God forgave me because I don't want God fed up with me. So I just happen to say before I ever preach this, God forgive me of my sin. I will, I will not walk in sin. I will be obedient to you, Lord God. I will not walk in practice sin, Lord God, although my body is willing, Lord God, but my spirit is stronger. I'm going to be in you because I don't want you fed up with me look God is calling us to let our worship line up with our life it is it is Clinton listen to me we are doing an excellent job with serving God I mean, it's all over the community of the things that we are doing in the community. People's lives are being impacted. People's lives. I had a young lady come up to the church crying. Young girl, 21 years old. Young Spanish girl, come crying. She said, Pastor Pugh, I'm a stripper. She says, I'm and when I take my money home, my mother pray over it to make it right with God. And she said, I'm disgusted at man. And my thing was, do you want to get out of it? Do you want to get out of it? And she said, yeah, I want to get out of it. I said, well, what is your spiritual relationship with God? And she said, I don't know God, but I believe in the devil. I said, well, let me show you scripture. And that young girl gave her life to Jesus Christ on that day. Gave her life to Jesus Christ. And she said, Pastor Pew, I feel a weight that's lifted from me. And guess what? Watch this. That's not even a blessed part. That's why I'm saying, y'all, I'm telling you all, I'm telling you all, if we as pastors don't get this, we're going to fail the church. We got to be a holistic pastor's. That means we got to preach to the mind, the body, and the soul. What we used to preach it to is the spirit, to the soul. We used to preach it to the soul, but now we got to help people find jobs. We got to help people get mental help. That's why we offer all this stuff. And now because we are doing this at Clinton Baptist Church, watch this. I was able to get her connected to people who can give her a job. Now, if she got it or not, I don't know. But I connected to people who was able to give her a job because of the network that we have. And people with Staples, people at McDonald's, people at Dollar General, people at Aldi's, people at Bobby's uh, Dollar Store. Because of the relationship we have, now we can now minister to the whole person. But I don't want us to get caught up on that. Because we're doing so good, we still got to live an obedient life. Because we can get so focused in serving to the community where our living is not pleasing to God. I just want to challenge us. 
Do you want to live off the good of the land? Say, let us repent. God is fed up with us. But I'm so glad that he always give an opportunity to come get it right. Is there anybody today, anybody today, 